Hello and welcome all to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast. Research for you, by you. A podcast dedicated to learning more about patient and community partners in patient-oriented primary care research in Canada. The Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network is proud to present this podcast with a focus on public representation in health. Join us to discover who our community partners are in our network and the people who work with them. Hi, and welcome to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast, research for you, by you. My name is Jillian Bartlett Esquilant, and I'm the Executive Director of the Network Coordinating Office of the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network. I am very pleased to have Roger Stoddard from New Brunswick here today as our guest. I would also like to point out that Roger was one of the first people in the network I met when I assumed my duties as Executive Director And he lives about half an hour from my family home in New Brunswick, where my father's family has lived for many years. So we have a common cultural background and we've had many a great coffee session in our favorite coffee shops around St. John, New Brunswick. So Roger, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Jillian. First of all, I guess my family, I have two kids and my wife. I went to school in Nova Scotia, grew up there, moved to New Brunswick in 1979-1980, but I still have a lot of ties in both provinces. So I, and I love New Brunswick, so that's where I live, in a place called Town Quispam Sis. I started into this process as a uh, mentor for med students through Dal Med in Halifax slash New Brunswick, when they were doing group pods of different individuals that were going to be in the work field, from respiratory people to doctors to you name it. Then they changed it to mentoring just the med students. So I became kind of a social guinea pig, so to speak, for these newfound doctors. But my love of people and my love of trying to help, not so much myself. I got sick in 1993. And that's a long story. story. Having just got over five months in the hospital and cancer last year or a year before that, whatever it was. But I like to be a person who speaks on behalf of other people. I have a, a very close family member that has a serious illness that she can't speak on her own and I speak on her behalf. So I'm both a caregiver and a a patient. I became a patient in 1993 after an accident and subsequent to that surgery that didn't go so well. But that's me from that side. Thank you. I have heard some of your story and it's really fascinating. And then as I often tell people, your patient journey has convinced me that you're an incredibly tough human being. And we're very pleased that you've decided to use your skills to speak out for others. So can you tell us a little bit more about why you became a patient partner? You mentioned a family member, but can you tell us uh, Mm. some about that? Yeah, I seen this advertisement. They were looking for a partner in UNB. And that's how I met Shelley Doucette. I put myself out there 
I've had so many operations and so many illnesses and this year was no different. So I, I met Shelly and we talked about a project that she was working on and asked me if I wanted to join the operations group. And it was a whole, whoa. And so I uh, read about it a little bit and my first venture into being a patient partner was the UNB Spore Picky Pocket that I belong to today as an operations. But right from the beginning, they took me in and I, I started from beginning to end and actually did a presentation on that with Shelley in Montreal. That's how I went in. I started there. And then the hospital was doing their thing, but it wasn't just a hospital. It was a regional health authority. And for us, it's huge. For other places, it's small. But I started there. We started talking about this patient advisor, patient partner role in healthcare. Oh, quite a while ago, even before Spore or Picky, well before that. Their roles were meetings and committees and all this kind of stuff. My advocacy, on the other hand, started when my daughter became ill. And that was when the advocacy heat was really turned on for me. So much that it bothered the health minister and he asked me if I wanted to have a role as an advisor on an advisory committee for mental health for the government. So I did that for eight years. Started to stop banging my head against the wall with that. It took so long to get stuff done and got into nonprofits. And I'm still a volunteer in nonprofits with mental health. But at the same time, that helped me grow. I guess my tenacity and inner strength to do the patient partner role within Spore Picky because I, I feel that's the next step is to try to help mold or change or do in your own little way something that's a positive for others within our healthcare system. If we can change from the inside out, if we can change policy or change direction or improve on policy for healthcare and for individuals, then that's what I want to do. I'm 62 with a lot of chronic health issues. I'm on oxygen. They can't see me, but I can hear it constantly. Looking at a couple of generations after like my five-year-old granddaughter, for example, if we can make improvements for that generation, then it's a win-win for me. Thank you. And I appreciate that you made a distinction between your role as an advocate, which you have extensive experience in, and your role as a patient partner, where you're really there at the table with the researchers having input into the evidence that's being generated that might then be used for advocacy purposes. And for those of our listeners that don't speak acronym, UNB is University of New Brunswick, and Roger works with the New Brunswick site, as you mentioned, with Shelley Doucette in a lot of very exciting uh, projects that uh, they have going on, including some very strongly focused patient partner input. So Roger, you've talked about why you became and some of what you've been doing. Uh, I wonder if you could elaborate on what it means for you to be the patient partner and some of your lived experience as a patient partner in primary care, what matters to you. I know you've been involved with some signature events with Shelley. So maybe you could elaborate on one of those. Well, can I elaborate on quickly on two little ones or two? Not little Absolutely. Ones, the Navicare program is something that the university team 
had sat at the table many times. There was great leads on that, Shelley, Allison, Luke, and so forth. And our team, our group committee team as well, that overseen that. And Navicare is a standalone healthcare system. Simply, you call it, it's not part of our provincial program. It's financed by a private individual in the community that donated roughly a million dollars out of the group's fund. And we were able to hire a social worker and a nurse. And there was a call in and that social worker acted as a navigator to get you to the right connections for what you required. And if it was health, they would direct you to the, the nurse, the RN that was hired. And she would help you through the health side. On the social side, the social worker would help you out if you need or your child needed counseling. And this was age kindergarten to 18. I think we tried to up it a little bit in age where I last left off and that I can remember actually because this last little health thing has robbed me of that a little bit. And another little one was we did a patient run researcher backed and supported and coached, I guess would be a good way to say what the researchers were doing and also taking all their notes as to what was transpiring during that night. This was our, it was like a shark's den, only it was patient's den. And we had picked a pool of, they call them patient advisors here. They were the panelists that actually asked questions of groups that were vying for grant money. And we were given a uh, fair amount of grant money, I think it was $20,000, which is, you know, you have four, $5,000 grants that to give out. So anybody will take 5,000 if they can get them to help with their programs. So we had a large turnout for people who wanted to get up on stage, tell us in 10 minutes exactly why we should give them $5,000. And it was anywhere from teams of doctors doing projects to Stan Casty, which is a facility for people who have paralysis or recovery from strokes or whatever the case, a lot of children, head injuries that go there and so forth. And what they wanted was these bikes to help kids learn how to drive a bicycle that is neurological uh, issues. It could, and it could be from birth or not, or injury, but that was one that I really enjoyed. And my part in that was right from the beginning with the operations group to decide on that project. And then we ran with it and I was able to get a, a guest speaker for it. And I was on the panel along with a couple of friends. And yeah, we took our scores back and tabulated them and made decisions on four of those grants. The following, it was done in French in Moncton. And we're hoping to continue it on after, if things settle down with COVID, we would love to see that carry on because it not only was it productive for those individuals that won, but it was good for the patient partners, patient advisors that worked on it. So for me, it was an enjoyable event. The other one was this very satisfying feeling that you could put research and money into action and 
get some policy made and put out a service. That was Navicare. So two very fun projects in New Brunswick and satisfying as well. My hats are off to all those folks that worked on that. Yeah, I have to say the patient's den is one of uh, my favorite things to hear about. And it just goes to show as well that in primary care, we can do a lot on very little funds, but having that direct ability to express patient priorities in terms of research is very empowering. It's uh, very encouraging to hear. And I think everybody enjoyed, from what I've heard, everybody enjoyed that experience. Oh, yeah. So, Roger, you have a lot of experience in being a patient partner. What advice would you have for someone thinking of going down this road? Well, if the person was interested, I would first ask who I knew that was involved. I would maybe apply lightly just to see whether I would be useful, because I think a lot of people don't feel useful after a while, after they sit around, after they're retired, after they're sick. I I didn't retire. I got sick and I got involved. I need to get involved. I, I wanted to give back to our healthcare system as well. So if an individual is really looking to be part of that patient partner action plan, if they want to change healthcare as it is today, you really need to get involved. Check with your hospital, check with your doctor's office, check with the university if there's any way you can help. And if there's indicators there that there's a potential for a research project, do it. What's the harm? I sought out a individual who worked at the university and that's how I joined. I was interested before that by an individual that I knew, but seek it out. It's good for you. It's good for the system. It's good for healthcare. It's good for the people in general. Good for your grandchildren if you got them, but I would seek it out. Thank you, Roger. And I will, at the end of this podcast, be uh, giving a little more information on possible venues to get involved. I was wondering if you could share a moment in your patient partner journey that touched you the most or that you're most proud of. I know you, you talked about a couple of activities, but was there something that really stood out to you that yeah. was very meaningful? There's one that's very emotional, which is, I'll do that one first. I was asked to do a support paper, supportive paper for McGill with a lady by the name of uh, Carolyn Abor, I believe. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She did an interview with me on raising a child with a serious mental illness. That one was very hard to do without lots of tears. Trust me on that one, because that's not for, it's not for the light at heart. Trust me. One of the things, probably the most proud is, was I had the opportunity to present a project with Shelley in Montreal, but I did three on three different projects in a row that day. Sat on the panel and answered questions, but one topic, one project went and did it with another project and did it with another project. You know how they run, Jillian, that they all have all these little rooms. And we've managed to get there, somebody dragging on my arm. And it went very well, surprisingly, that I uh, kept all three in those boxes in men's heads and was able to do that and not really tire myself out too bad because I like talking. Like I said, I like people. So, and that was done in Montreal. 
there was another one that did a project that had a project in Ottawa, a project in Montreal to speak at, to speak about, and was able to take the train between both places, do the one in, in, in Ottawa, then do the one in Montreal, then come back to Ottawa for the last day for the event, but was able to do it for with two different groups as a patient partner on one day, then the next day, then back to the other one. So those were interesting, fun to do, high anxiety for the people that were managing it, but it all worked out very well. I know those, uh, your participation in those events were greatly appreciated. And I think having that patient view in our writings is so important because it gives it a bit of more gravitas than just purely uh, scientific evidence. Let's flip over a little bit here now. I wonder if you have any messages or advice for researchers out there who are new to patient-partnered research and considering going down this rewarding but challenging path. Yeah, I want researchers to put themselves out there. When When an opportunity comes to ask questions to patients, I was doing an event in uh, Moncton and we had researchers in the, in the audience and we had patient partners up front and it was very difficult to get researchers to ask questions. And that's what they do. But uh, I don't know what it was, whether they had uh, deer in the headlights or not, but I think they found it hard to ask questions on the fly. And for me, I like to answer from the heart and have a conversation. But I think researchers need to learn a little bit about the background of patients as well as the patient, just being a patient. And that's it. Doing a little training on how to approach a patient communicate with the patient, have a real conversation, throwing in your questions through that so that you get your information that you need, but actually sit down with them and have a conversation. I do like the idea of maybe training them together so that they can understand from where the researcher comes from, as well as the researcher understands where the patient comes from. So yeah, I would throw them right there in the pot, researchers and patients and see how they fare. But yeah, I think train them together for future projects because patients are going to be involved in projects for a long time. These research projects, they need people who have the, the experience of that knowledge. And maybe they even get a little diamond in the rough there with somebody that's actually more, much, much more. Who knows? I think you've touched on something very important. We, you as a patient partner, myself as a research, we sort of pick this all up on the fly. And I think having a way to train researchers, because most research training that we receive will not include this partnership type aspect. And it really does need to be a partnership with meaningful discussions and meaningful exchanges and figuring out how to include that in our research world and how maybe that research world needs to change a little bit because absolutely your input is incredibly valuable and has certainly made a big difference in in how and what I research. 
So this notion that how do we make that easier for people to in- include this incredibly valuable approach, I think is really important. And hopefully we will see some things coming out of our national funding agencies on training programs to address this. I hope so. so Roger, any final words for our audience? Yeah, I got a final words for people, regardless whether they have health issues or whether they retired. And see, I see a lot of retirees are used to until this COVID thing came along. Words to people who, I would say, for heaven's sakes, if you're talking about our healthcare system and you think it needs help, why not help? Jump in. Don't fear that notion of not being useful because if you were a patient, if you were a person that had a loved one that, that, was in hospital and, and you think things could have been done differently or you got any ideas in regards to healthcare or you want to help healthcare, then get involved. Don't sit in the corner of Tim Hortons and talk about it or talk about politicians and not doing enough for our healthcare system. If you don't get involved, it's the same as voting. If you don't vote, why would you talk about it? And why would you talk about your healthcare system if you're not involved in our healthcare system? Because it's yours. The, that hospital that sits in St. John is mine. It's as mine as Jillian's is when she's down here in New Brunswick. It's those are our hospitals. We're paying for them. We're we're paying for people that are working there. So for heaven's sakes, you need your voice. You need that person's voice, those people that are sitting home, uh, sitting on oxygen, like I'm on oxygen, I'm still able to get my voice out, take your time. But, you know, you got to get involved. If you're in a situation where it's, and I, and I can talk on this because I, I am, do have some health, serious health issues. For heaven's sakes, your life is not done now. Get involved. Make a difference. It will change your life. It'll make your life better or more positive. People like to be around positive people. And instead of crawling in that cave that I know that's it's easy to crawl into when you're down and feeling uh, a little bitter or sad about yourself and you have a lot of pain, get out there, do it. Make a phone call. Get involved. You have the potential and the talent that you don't even realize that can make a difference in healthcare. And that's a request from coming from somebody that is 62, that's had gazillion surgeries in this last one there that I even had fun on the ventilator for a while, which believe me, it's not so much fun. But that's my my ask of people who have the time to help researchers and the people who think they don't have time who are working. I would like them to reach out as well because they can, they have lots to give as well. They may not have as much time, but they certainly have a say in these matters. Thank you for that, Roger. And I really do hope at some point in the future, as 
we get a handle on these this pandemic that I will be able to see you again at Timmy's or at our favorite breakfast place, we can exchange some great ideas. And that brings up an interesting point. As Roger says, if you get involved, we've had a lot of chaos in the last year, and I think we have an opportunity to build back better. And it would be wonderful to have your voices being expressed as we do so. For those of you wondering how you can get involved as a patient or community partner, if you go to our website at sporepicky.com, that is S-P-O-R-P-I-H-C-I.com. On the landing page, there is a map. And if you click on your province or territory, the links for that particular network will appear. On their website, you should find more information on how to link with your local primary care research groups. At the bottom of the page, there is also a link under Get in Touch that will allow you to directly email us. This is the same page where you can find our previous podcasts and other information that's been generated by our uh, research network, including our patient partner advisory council who are extremely active. I would like to thank our production staff, Nick Beaudry, Jamie Demore, and our own production patient partner, Kent Cadigan lofsgard Join us for our next episode for more voices from our patient and community partners where we are highlighting the active and engaging role they play in our patient-oriented research agenda for primary care. In other words, more research for you, by you. This podcast was brought to you by the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network, otherwise known as the PICI Network, in collaboration with the New Brunswick Strategy for Patient-Oriented Research PICI Network. Visit our website at sporepicky.com. That's S-P-O-R hyphen P-I-H-C-I dot com to learn more about our activities and upcoming events.